Welcome into another edition of West of Everest. Lee Benson here, joined by Grant Benson a couple of days after Oklahoma Falls in the Alamo Bowl to Arizona, 38 to 24, in a game that had two different parts, maybe even three. The first part where Arizona was out ahead and everything was going wrong. I guess I guess three parts. The second part where Oklahoma turned things around got out in front and were basically dominating and then the third part which was the most important part and the worst part when everything went bad for Oklahoma and Arizona scored the last I think what 25 points of the game (laughs) and went on to win the game by two touchdowns so we're here to talk all about it had a couple of days to decompress to sleep on it a little bit watch back the tape so uh, hopefully we have a little bit more of an in-depth look at the game here compared to if we would have jumped on right when the game ended, which there's good things and bad things to both of that. I, I always enjoy the immediate reaction stuff. Uh, we didn't have time for it either on Thursday night around midnight or yesterday, so it makes sense for us to do today. So, Grant, a couple of days after the game, not a good way to, to end the season for Oklahoma. How are you feeling? I'm feeling all right. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more sanguine about everything than, than some others are. I... Um, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's nowhere near as bad as people are making it out to be, and um, I just I just know from experience at this point in time that when things kick off next season, that game that happened the other night does is, does not mean squat to anything. It means nothing. There have been teams that have you know that have finished their season in bowl games looking terrible, flat, not like they don't want to be there, and then have come back and made the college football playoff the next year. Like it just doesn't. I mean, th- I'm thinking specifically of OU when maybe their most embarrassing defeat under Bob Stoops against Clemson and the, the Russell Athletic Bowl, they make the playoff the next year. This this stuff, it just doesn't matter how, how this game went that much. And um, But there was enough stuff there. We can take little little moments and different plays and sequences of the game that you can use to maybe kind of spring some hope for next season too. Um and and frankly, I just I, I think everybody just needs to just needs to relax a little bit. Just just take a breath after this game. Um, some of the rhetoric coming from the fan base is just way over the top, and 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 frankly, is just not correct. This is wherever you know I say in the podcast that I am not plugged in on any of that stuff, so I really don't know where like what where the temperature is. I would just kind of assume you know people are probably unhappy that Oklahoma lost, especially the way in o- the way you know Oklahoma lost. But uh, again, Arizona's a good team, and six turnovers. You know, everyone knows. Everyone says you've turned over six times. You're you're not really going to win ever. I mean, and the thing, the fact is, Oklahoma had a chance to. <laughs> Granted, when they had a chance to win that game, you know, they weren't at six turnovers yet. They were at three, and three more came in a pretty quick span that ended up being the end of the Sooners. How do you want to do this? I'm prepared to to do our old school all the way back through from the beginning, but we can go either way with it. I took a heck of a lot of notes on my rewatch. Uh, obviously, it started out for me, Oklahoma's defense was on the field to start the game, and the first thing I noticed was the way the defense decided to play Arizona, which was in a 3-3-5 scheme, and uh, you know, get a little bit more speed on the field is what Brent Venable said, so they took away a defensive lineman and brought out an extra linebacker, and so that's the way Oklahoma was the entire time and it worked and it didn't work I mean it depends on the way you look at it certain parts of the game so 
I suppose that's the first thing that I noticed when the game began is the way Oklahoma's defense decided to play Arizona. Did you notice that? Of course I did. One of the I noticed it maybe from the very first snap of the game because um, I was curious mostly just who they were going to start in the defensive line. And I look out and I was like, oh, I only see three guys down there. And then um, also I, I, one of the things that really tipped it off was you had Desan McCullough playing the overhang there, kind of like a you know as a three three linebacker basically, which is interesting because we didn't see that a whole lot in the second half of the year. And so that was that was interesting to me, you know, to me to start. But it's that I, you know, Brent Venables did implement a lot of that three three five stuff at Clemson in the last couple of years. He was there. He pulled it out against like LSU and Ohio State in the playoff because you know they're teams that threw the ball really well and they needed to get more, you know, more speed and more coverageability on the field. Um, my big takeaway from this is if they are going to be in that type of defense, they they just they got to play better zone coverage. They're, this is a they're they're pitiful at playing zone coverage. It's it's so bad, and uh, honestly, that's my biggest negative from this game, is that it's if if the opposing offense gets decent protection, you can sit back there and pick OU apart all day long if they're in zone coverage all day. Yeah, it's bad, and we knew going into the game it has been bad, and it was even worse against Arizona. And right from the beginning. The second snap of the game, Tedaroa McMillan goes for 40 yards, and there wasn't a soul around him. It was super easy, and it was a situation where we're two snaps into the game, and it looked like there was a miscommunication on what kind of coverage they were playing in the back end. And you see Billy Bowman react aggressively to a short motion towards the sideline, and it looks like, to me, he thinks he should be playing man coverage while everybody else is back playing zone, and then takes one person and who knows maybe maybe Billy was right and they were supposed to I don't know but they weren't on the same page and one person's off or who knows and it's an easy up the seam 40 yards not even trying and it's against Arizona's best player so just just like that is is like that and I will say as the game went on they kept trying that same the same type of play where they would motion out cowing to try to create some space and get some some width to open up on the the inseam to McMillan and Oklahoma did a little bit better a couple of times on it uh, but still it was there a couple more times throughout the game and just yeah it, I'm looking at national college football obviously the season's not over with for everybody there's still you know some more games left but Oklahoma's through 13 games now and I mean Grant their pass defense overall rank in college football right now 115th that might be worse than last year i gotta go back and look at what they were but 115 yeah i mean i don't well i mean the ranks or whatever are are irrelevant to me all i know is that when i watch them try to play it's just they're bad they're really bad at it sure and one of sorry uh, last year real quick sorry last year they were 119 okay so hey right now a little bit of improvement but yeah sorry go ahead so it, that's just frustrating um, because I, I, and you know, hey, in the second and third quarters, OU got pretty much whatever they wanted against Arizona's defense. Uh, but I, I watched a, frankly, to my opinion, a kind of bad Arizona defense um, play much more competent zone coverage through periods of that game than OU has pretty much the entire season. I don't know what to do with that. I, I do not know what to do with that. And that, to me, it brings up some questions of, you know, scheme, what the opposing team is doing to you, how much of Arizona's defense 
looking you know better in zone coverage one I mean they were playing against a freshman quarterback making his first career start who had trouble identifying linebackers and secondary players and uh, throwing the ball late so that that's part of it but also how much of it is Arizona's offense and just not even Arizona but other teams offense utilizing motion more and creating I guess more openings in the coverages that Oklahoma's defense plays and those guys don't know what they're doing or I don't know I mean the fact that it's so consistent it's it's on Oklahoma they're <laughs> they there's something wrong with them they they're not very good in pass coverage but uh, I don't know it's that that's definitely the main takeaway negatively from the defense for sure after all that though Oklahoma holds Arizona to a field goal to start the game and uh, kind of did really well by the way Danny Stutzman was you know obviously back he definitely looked a lot more healthy I thought Stutzman played pretty well and it was in that first series where man Danny should have had a pick he he did a great job at one of the better linebacker coverage plays I've seen where he he recognized the the uh, the tight end running the over route and he ran with him he trailed him and the ball hit Danny right in the hands and it, it wouldn't have been an easy interception but you know it's a team you go to against a team like Arizona who doesn't turn the ball over very often and you get a ball right into your hands and I don't know the tight end was kind of behind him trying to knock it away I think that's a ball that Danny could have caught and that would have been a huge momentum shift but still it was a nice defensive play good good pass breakup and it leads to Oklahoma holding Arizona to a field goal yeah I, I do want to like so one of the reasons why the pass defense was disappointing to me was that I think in the second half of the season we had used as sort of an excuse that you know, one of the big reasons why they look so much worse is because just the pass rush is not getting home. The defensive line is not asserting themselves as much as they had been in the first half of the year. That was not an excuse on Thursday night. The defensive line whipped Arizona consistently and constantly. And uh, Fafito was under pressure. There was very, very few dropbacks where he had, you know, where he had a lot of time to throw back there. He was not very comfortable back there in the pocket that entire game. And so that's, that's just, and that's why OU's defense was able to hold in occasions, just because they were, they were whipping Arizona up front. And um, it's just, man, that's why you just got to just slightly tighten up that stuff in the back end, because just think how much more dominant and good you can be uh, with, with the defensive line playing like that. And uh, it, it was good to see. Uh, you know, I, um, I think Arizona is by far the second best team OU has played this year. Um, I think, frankly, I think Fafita to McMillan is the best one-two punch they've they've just faced this season in general, and um, and it was obvious. Go look at the box score. It was their Arizona's entire team is Fafita McMillan and Jacob Cowing. Just look look at it, and it's that's a formidable trio right there that OU really really struggled with, especially in the most inopportune moments. Um, but also, you know, it, OU's defense did do a good job, especially in the first half of responding, only holding them to, you know. You know, holding them to two field goals when any other touchdowns there probably would have put OU really, really on tilt. But, man, it's just, it's just that same thing where there's enough there where you can talk yourself into, okay, maybe there's something something there. It's like, finally, we saw the defensive line play. We saw R. Mason Thomas, I think, get his first full sack of his career, which was cool to see. Um, but, man, you just you got, I, you gotta have to tighten it up in the back end. And... Um, well, I was watching that game, Thule, and what, what do you think about this? Like, I, I don't know. I didn't see a lot of instances where OU was like intentionally, like bracketing McMillan and saying, "Please, for the love of God, beat us with literally anyone else but this guy." I didn't see that a lot, and I don't understand that. 
No, I, I didn't see it either. I think they're just running their defense. And I guess I'm not, you know, I don't know as much about Venables' Clemson defenses and know if that's what he would do at Clemson. I mean, a good test case would be to go and see what they did against LSU in 2019. Granted, they got, I mean, gashed by LSU like everybody did in that game. And so I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know. That's just what Oklahoma – yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't see that at all. By the way, McMillan, yeah, 10 catches, 160. Kept them out of the end zone, but uh, Jacob Cowing uh, did not keep him out of the end zone. He had a couple of touchdowns, seven for 152. So, yeah, that was, that was their offense. And r- real quick, I mean, credit to Oklahoma's defense for totally shutting down Arizona's run game. I mean, Arizona, it, you know, it's not their strength, but they can run it a little bit. And – I mean, Jonah Coleman, DJ Williams were absolute non-factor. DJ Williams did have the touchdown run at the end for 19 yards. But outside of that, that one touchdown run, the running game was totally absent for Arizona, which, man, makes it even more frustrating that the pass defense can be so bad, is that whenever you shut down and make them so one-dimensional, in theory, it should be easier to defend the pass uh, because you've made them so one-dimensional and it's, it's a lot more predictable what they're going to do, but no. And by the way, I did want to bring this up as, you know, before the game, I was talking about how badly you know, we, we want to see or I want to see, and I'm sure you're probably in the same boat, and a lot of fans do too, I want to see Billy Bowman on the field and Peyton Bowen on the field at the same time. And for much of this game, both of those players were on the field at the same time, and it was a little mix between Reggie Pearson and Robert Spears Jennings at the other safety spot. So we did get a little bit of a taste of Peyton Bowen and Billy Bowman on the field at the same time. And I... I, I, I wanted some more. <laughs> I, I was hoping for some better results. Uh, Peyton Bowen certainly will have to work on in the offseason against certain teams. When you're in that deep safety spot. You got to get deep, man. A couple times in the game where he just did not get deep, and he's the last guy back there. And uh, the, the touchdown pass to Cowing to make it 10-0 early in the game, uh, Woody Washington just kind of got cooked, but also – Peyton Bowen's supposed to be there for some safety help, and he wasn't there. And then I think in the maybe the second quarter, when they switched sides, uh, McMillan was wide open down the field. Thankfully, there was a, a hand in his face. But thank the Lord for Isaiah Coe on that play. Isaiah Coe, yep. And, but another one where Bowen just did not get deep enough, and McMillan—that's a touchdown if it's a good throw. Uh, but again, thankfully for the defensive line, got got in there and made it a tougher throw for for Fafita. And that's what like so, that's what pressure yeah. does for you. You you take that and you know oh you won that play because Isaiah Coe blew it up, and so but man it was still they got really close still. I thought for like all things considered that was still a really good throw by Fafita. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so flipping it back over now to Oklahoma's first series, and this is where we get to see Jackson Arnold, and I know that's that's the biggest takeaway, right? Is we all wanted to see Jackson Arnold play, and we'll talk a lot about Arnold for sure. By the way, the offensive line left to right was Rouse, Schaefer, Everett at center, Mataller, and Jacob Sexton. So that was the line from left to right. And obviously not a great start, very underwhelming. Arnold gets his first pass batted down. Then Drake stoops with a uh, you know, would-be first down. Doesn't drop. Drops just drop. It. He dropped it. Got to help, help your freshman quarterback. You can't drop that. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's not like that was... 
Gavin Freeman or LV Bunkley Shelton or heck even Jalil Farouk I mean that was Drake Stoops he's been probably the surest handed guy on the team this year and it was kind of an awkward thing where you kind of dope but I mean how often have we seen Stoops dive and make you know awkward he's very good at that so he he drops that pass and then it leads to the third down throw where it's just throws it throws a pick his third third pass of the game throws a pick and uh, right into the arms of the middle safety and I don't think Jackson Arnold did enough to take the free safety off the scent of the play. I think he looked to the left briefly, but then came right back to Drake Stoops, and the safety just read his eyes the entire way and jumped it. And so it's not a good pick. It also give credit to the defensive back for making a play. But still, it's you can probably say, okay, that's probably a young freshman mistake. And right away... I like the fact that Oklahoma was putting the ball in his hands right away, Grant, and say, hey, go out there and throw the ball around. Uh, but also the, the worst-case scenario happened where, you know, b- ball batted, uh, a drop, and then a pick, and then uh, right away they led to that cowing touchdown, I believe, to make it 10 nothing. Yeah, and I, I, just, I, I just don't think that was like a bad pick at all. That was a, a you know, and yeah, he, he's got to look off the safety there more. And that's something that you can coach, that you can correct. Um, man, I've, I've been waiting for an OU deep safety to make a play like that for freaking 15 years. Still haven't seen it. It's a good play. Good play. It's a good play. It's, it's all about just reading the guy's eyes and having the quarterback take you to the ball. And I, it, you look at the route concepts on the play, that, that was really the only place he could have gone with the ball. And I kind of have problems with that. I mean, I, I'd like OU. Maybe Seth Luttrell's offense will have a lot more mesh concepts where you get crossers. I feel like Jeff Levy, you know, you'll, you'll see some crossers, but not, not as much as I would like. I mean, Lincoln Riley did a decent amount, but even he uh, would kind of go away from it sometimes. But that was really the only, only guy to go to, and Jackson just it, it, he threw it too late. He took too long. I mean, he let the play develop too long, and he gave the safety time to go and make the play. And uh, as I think the game played out, that's seemingly a weakness of him in that game, at least, is – I think he had trouble identifying deep safeties and Arizona played single high most of the game and their deep safety was always, you know, 17, 18 yards off the ball way back there. And it's almost like, I, I don't, I mean, you'd have to ask him and you know what he, I'm, I'm sure he'd tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew where everybody was. And I don't know though. I mean, there's, there's a thing where quarterbacks obviously will look past players or not see certain guys and get routes jumped. And, I think that could be something that he can work on in the offseason, watch some tape and think, hey, yeah, I, I got to make sure that I'm, I'm very, uh, very aware of where everybody is on the field, especially these safeties. I mean, his second pick was very obviously an example of him not seeing the deep safety. Obviously. There's no way you make that-, that throw if you see the deep safety. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. The, uh, so it's 10 nothing. OU goes three and out on the second possession. Hat tip to Luke Elzinga, though, 58-yard punt. So at least that was the highlight of the game at that, up to that point for Oklahoma was the 58-yard punt. And the defense finally kind of started to settle in a little bit, got off the field, forced a punt. And uh, so Oklahoma's third possession comes out, and this is where that second pick came. And you know, the, there's a, uh, a couple plays that I noticed. There was a second down throw to Drake Stoops where – and we saw this a couple times in the game, Grant, and this is good, Jackson Arnold, where kind of a last-second rusher got into his face, and he got rid of the football real quick and threw a strike to Drake Stoops, picked up yardage for you know, a first down. He did that later in the game as well. But then the drive gets stalled 
On first down and 10, after they pick up the first down, Jacob Sexton gets called for holding, backs it up to first and 20. You know, two yards to Gavin Sawchuk. And then on second down and 18, Jackson throws that interception up the sideline where, again, I think he's, he's late on the recognition. And, yeah, he, he just he did not see the safety. And whether that's he didn't, didn't see the safety pre-snap or during the play, I don't even have to ask him. And uh, uh, some of you all may know, we talked about it. I put a tweet out there, and I, it was rather, I guess, inartful. I, I could have explained it better. But I suppose the main thing is that he did not see the safety. I don't know when he didn't see the safety. To me, it seems like he didn't even see him at all like before the snap even happened because uh, he would have thrown the ball a lot sooner I would believe if he would have kind of accounted for that guy and it was another late throw and the safety went over and made the play yeah I, I mean it's just a play where you need better recognition and that's something that like I, I'm happy that he's gonna have all 22 tape and he just watched that and rep it over and over and over again so um yeah I, I don't I I thought I thought your tweet was fine. I think the people dragging it are mouth-breathing morons who don't know anything. Well, well I'll say that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I will say this. I, I have no problem if, if you want to dispute the idea that you know, he was you know, hiding in the logo. Okay, sure. And my, my uh, mindset on that is I thought that was a, some people that, something that people kind of acknowledged that like, I mean, the number one thing is Boise State's blue turf. I mean, people have blue uniforms, and it's kind of hard to see. Maybe you won't locate somebody who will blend in a little bit. I get it. Uh, the thing with that, they're wearing all white uniforms, and he was on top of a white. I, I know that Jackson Arnold is field level. I get that. Uh, so, sure, okay, maybe that didn't factor in. Uh, I don't think it helped. Uh, I think it's very obvious he didn't see it. But, sure, if you want to say, yeah, that's, that's stupid. He, that had nothing to do with it, the, the white logo. That's fine. And you know what? You're... After I've kind of looked back, I watched a replay of it from behind. You're probably right. Uh, the referee in the middle of the field also was kind of blocking the guy, too. That might have factored in. But sure, I, that part was now in hindsight. Yeah, okay, fine. You can, you can also you can make a good argument. I also did this week on a radio show I listen to all the time with Brady Quinn, obviously former quarterback. I heard him talking about – they were talking about Ray Lewis and Ed Reed with the Ravens. And Brady Quinn made a comment that whenever they would watch film of Ed Reed – they would look at him and they'd think, what is he doing? You know, and they were watching all 22 tape and they'd realize that he would be, he said, oh my gosh, he's, he's by the Ravens logo, like on their home games. And he would kind of be crouching down in the logo, trying to hide. And then you know, at the snap would just then like try to bolt uh, and make a play, which, okay, sure. Like he would be kind of getting, trying to get smaller and smaller to try to blend in. But like it's a thing like it's I mean, one of the best players of all time would try to find edges and do that. So that's kind of like that was on my mind, too. So anyways, I that, that's the thing the, the one part, though, that is like, all right, sure, it's my fault because I I put it out there and I said, this is Jackson Arnold's angle. Sure. I should have just said, here's the all 22 angle. This is you know Jackson Arnold probably didn't see the safety. That's so that's on me. But uh, making fun of like this is not this is not how Jackson Arnold saw the game. It's like. Well, yeah, obviously, like I would be certifiably insane if I thought that Jackson Arnold saw the field from an all 22 <laughs> angle. But again, I, that's the way I wrote it. So that's my fault. So I sure fine. I just don't think it's it's like, OK. That uh, make you know, make fun of the tweet if you want. That's fine. It, maybe it wasn't the best tweet, but uh, obviously he can't see the field from an all 22 angle that 
Lee, again, don't, I, w- I would be a crazy Lee, don't backtrack. person. Don't, ba- don't backtrack. The tweet is fine. The people who are dragging you on it, like I said, mouth-breathing morons. Like, pretending <laughs> like... I'm sorry, the, the concept that you put there of him hiding in the logo is a thing that has been happening in football for decades. That is a thing. That is absolutely a thing. It may not have been the thing going on in that exact play, but to point that out and then have a bunch of people come in and say how stupid that is, you don't know what you're talking about at all. And, and mostly it's just a lot of people who think that you're a fan making excuses for a play when that's not what you were doing. You were just trying to, to say, say something that you thought was interesting on the play. That's it. Well, I appreciate you defending me because that's what it was. It, wasn't, it certainly wasn't an excuse. Uh, it's, a, it's a bad pick. He's got to recognize that. And boy, I, you can make fun of it all you want, but please do not call me a fan. <laughs> I take great offense to that, as those who listen to this podcast know that, that I do. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it seems like a lot of Oklahoma State fans and Texas A&M fans kind of caught on to it, and they're having fun, and it's, it's great. But uh, again, I, I do think, fine, if you want to criticize the hiding part, okay, that, that's okay. I, I will fault you. It's just the, the, the jokes about this is not how Jackson Arnold saw the, the play. It's like, yeah, I, I know, again, I should have probably said this is the all 22 no, version. Stop. I don't, s- no, don't backtrack. Don't stop. No, I'm not necessarily. Ba- I'm, I'm just, I'm giving, I'm, I'm acknowledging that. Well, hey, man, you, that, that's what you said. It's like, sure. But again, I would be an insane person if I, th- if I thought that in the quarterback when they're on the field that they have like a screen in front of their face where they can see the all 22 on the side. Like that. So any sort of jokes about that is kind of like, all right, that's kind of lame, man. Anyways, that that I, I appreciate I have this podcast I can talk about it and uh who cares? That's people don't care about uh social media anyways. So yeah, that wasn't a good play and uh but Oklahoma's defense was able to stiffen up and hold him to another field goal. <laughs> and so but they, this well, was also the When was the when was the bomb? Wasn't wasn't that no, that was after the fruit. The bomb the to bomb cowing. The cowing? That, that, was, was, oh, that after was after the first, Arnold's the first. first one. Thank you. Yes, thanks. Yes. And so, uh, by the way, uh, Robert Spears Jennings, uh, he flashed a little bit in the game, coming up, making some tackles in the alley, TFLs. I just I have that in my notes right here. I wanted to acknowledge that. Uh, good. Yeah, I mean, it, next year, Grant, maybe that's, maybe that's the three. If, if they, I mean, I can see why Brent Venables wants to do this 3-3-5 three, 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 if he can get RSJ, Bowen, and Bowman on the field at the same time. That's it. That's, <laughs> your, that's what you're repping. All in the offseason. That three, the three high safety look. And like when OU does it, they don't do it like Iowa State does where they have like the three safeties like on the same, basically the same yard marker just kind of stretched out. throughout. The, that's what they need to do. That's what makes it hard. So like I don't, maybe we'll, maybe we'll see more of that. So I, but those are the three guys you want on the field. Um, and you know, I, I didn't really get to, um, to butt in here when we were talking about Peyton Bowen earlier, but I just kind of want to throw it out there. Uh, he got he got lost in coverage quite a bit on Thursday night. He needs to get better. It's just get better. And um, by my eyes right now, Robert Spears Jennings looks more comfortable back there than Peyton Bowen does. Yeah, I agree. And it was on that following possession by Arizona where the second quarter came about, and that's whenever you know McMillan was behind him and Isaiah Coe made the nice play that you know, set up the field goal. And so Arizona led 13, nothing, but yeah, Bowen, you know, was beaten deep again. And, uh, thankfully for go, uh, co made a nice play to, to make it not happen. So it came to the, the fourth possessions where things started to kind of go right for Oklahoma's offense. This is wherever we, you, they started 
peppering Nick Anderson with little RPO comeback routes. And boom, boom, back-to-back plays, first down. Uh, then on a third down and eight, there was a nice play call, a little swing pass over to Gavin Sawchuk. He had blockers out in front, and it was an easy first down run. That's uh, and the, then uh, the next play. That's the play that, that was the very first play of the UCS, UCF game that he dropped. Same play. I feel like they've been trying to get that, they've been trying to get that to work all season, and that's the first time it has. Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, remember the first play, though, was him taking the direct snap and dropping it. But, yeah, I think that was on the... Uh, oh, same play. So that uh, opening, opening drive. Same series. Yeah. So the one that he, uh, he, he dropped, right? And he had room to run. Yeah. Yep, that was the same play. So they got, they got Jackson Arnold going. They got Gavin Sachuk going. And then after that little swing pass, the next snap was the, the, the touchdown run for, for Sachuk. I mean, easy. And... Uh, you kind of they showed the replay of that, and it was kind of interesting. They did uh, a, an unbalanced line to the right, and they put Walter Rouse and Jacob Sexton together on the right side, and <laughs> just ran the ball behind them. And Sachuk had no problem finding a hole and, and going for an easy touchdown. So uh, after such a bad start, the offense then gets humming and cuts the lead to thirteen to seven. And you think, okay, here we go. Let's see what happens now going forward. Yeah, no, I think. Um yeah, there was that when it was thirteen to nothing. I was, I think, like everyone else, I was thinking to myself, "Gosh, how are they? How are they only down thirteen to nothing right now?" And um, as soon as they scored there, I was like, "I mean, this is, I mean, they're, this is a game. Like, this is, this is going to be a barn burner." And because, I mean, they, they were like, it was there. Even, even when, even when OU looked kind of discombobulated on offense, it still felt like there was plenty there that they were going to move the ball just fine over the course of the game. Yeah, they were going to figure it out. I mean, it's Arnold's got too much talent. There's too much talent and their skill position players and stuff for them to, to all, like, you know, be like, for example, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when was it? I think Baylor totally shut down Ole Miss and, and Jeff Levy's offense whenever uh, uh, I can't. Uh, man, I'm blanking on the quarterback that he couldn't even play, though. So I didn't even like, he got Corral hurt. didn't he got play hurt. in that game. Corral. Yeah. Oh, I think he got banged up and hurt. So but, I mean, that was just nothing. And you know, Oklahoma's in their backup quarterback in the game. And, you know, he, for the most part, did just fine. It lit up the scoreboard and lit up the yards. He just turned the ball over too much. But see, after the touchdown, they get 13 to 7. The next series, it, it was even better because that was the series where Kenai Walker picked off Fafita. And it was, I think, Kendall Dolby got the tip and Walker was there. And so Oklahoma gets all this momentum. And then it's. Like literally the very next, the very first play of the drive for Oklahoma, where they got the ball and, and plus territory, is when Arnold just puts a seed right on Jalil Farouk, gets a first down, and he bumps into Drake Stoops. Stoops kind of like pushes him forward, like "Come on, keep going," and then Farouk gets the ball stripped out, fumbles it, and just like that, uh, Oklahoma gives the ball back, all the momentum gone, and with 8.48 to go in the second quarter, Oklahoma had already turned the ball over three times, and this one hurt even more because it was in the red zone. Yeah, there's just, I, I don't, um, this is tough. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, I don't fumble. You can't fumble. That fumbles are flukes. They always have been. They're never, like, it's okay to be frustrated by them and to, to pull your hair out about them. But they are not, they're not a sign of anything to come. It, a fumble is the flukiest play in all of sports. You can't account for it. It just happens. And it unfortunately happens in a really bad moment there. Yeah, bad luck for Jalil Farouk. Unfortunately, that wasn't his... <laughs> that was, I mean, that wasn't the worst moment of the night for him. 
uh, unfortunately. But uh, I mean, again, without three turnovers, up thirteen to seven, and Oklahoma's defense is starting to figure out Arizona's offense. And uh, there was, you know, a, th a third down and one. They took a shot to McMillan, and Jaron Canick got a hit on Fafita. And this is the one where they just threw it up in the middle of the field. And Woody's out there, and Bowen's out there, but none of them can locate the ball in time to make a play. And I thought live that, you know, that McMillan might have pushed off. But you watch the replay, like, nah, that, that was fine. He, that was a good play by him. And that's one of those things where it was like a 40-yard gain, and he threw it up there, and Jaron Canick did a nice job of fighting through a block and then getting a hit on Fafita. Woody, I mean, Woody's played so many games. Uh, Bowen's kind of, you know, obviously young. It, it, one of these guys needs to locate the ball. There's two of Oklahoma players out there. How can one of these guys not locate the ball and at least knock it away? And I know Fafita, or I'm sorry, McMillan, this is, you know, this is why he's so good. I mean, one, he's just great, and also he's 6'5", and so he can high point it, and that probably factors in too. But that play was kind of frustrating because Fafita just threw it up there, and you got seasoned Woody Washington, who was playing not too bad a coverage, and then Bowen in the middle of the field, and neither one of those guys could have made a play on it. So that kind of bothered me. Yeah, I, I just... Um I'm I'm totally willing to to acknowledge that they Peyton Bowen especially just got lost there. Um whereas McMillan was kind of tracking the ball the entire time and it was sort of one of those things where it was like a perfect throw that Fafita underthrew it. Like that's exactly what they needed in that situation. And uh it's yeah, get better, be better. I mean, I, it's it's the exact same thing I said with with how Bowen got lost in coverage, he needs to be better. Um I you know, they didn't score on that drive though, so no harm, no foul. No, they didn't, and the defense, they stiffened up, and they got him to third and 10, and Marcus Stripling comes up and, and gets a sack and, and knocks Arizona out of field goal range, Isaiah Coe, forces who, the punt. Uh, who, who, who blew the play up originally, though? Coe, Stripling. Isaiah Coe, was, I mean, Isaiah Coe was very good on Thursday night in his, in his last yeah, game man. at OU. Yeah, it's, that's, that's a tough guy to lose. He's, he's been just solid and at times really, really good right there in the middle and, you know, Good for him that he came back for 2023 and certainly was a big part of this 2023 season and helping Oklahoma get to 10 wins. And so the defense steps up, gets off the field, even after giving up the big pass play. And then this is the drive where Oklahoma's down 13-7 still. And you see Gavin Sawchuk get out and get running for 63 yards. Just, uh, you look good. You look, you look, look fast. Uh, you, know, you know, I've seen faster guys, but I mean, certainly they had some angles on him, so but still 63 yards, very good stuff. And uh, Gavin Sawchuk finishes up the season, what, five straight, 100-plus yard games, had another touchdown in that game. So, I mean, Sawchuk ends the season as the unquestionable number one running back on the roster. And it just would have – I mean, I know that – again, I, I don't know how injured he was the first part of the year. I just – it just seems kind of like an excuse, man. I, I, he was I mean, playing. He was, the fact he was that, injured in the second half of this game. Like right, he was, right, yeah. So I think he's, so end, a, I, yeah. I think he's made a glass. So maybe he's an injury guy. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that, that's a good point. And like it was we always, actually got to see it happen in in real time this in this game. Yeah, and and the rumor, of course, last year too, is that if he was hurt, it was his hamstring, and then everyone talked oh, about yeah. his hamstring. So he's a hamstring guy. He's one of those, which mm. is, which good is point. tough. It's tough, and so I um, goodness, I, I I like Gavin. I, I I think he's a good player. If he stays healthy, he's a guy. He's definitely more of a home run hitter. He's not. I don't think he's going to be your guy that is going to consistently churn out six and seven, like six and seven yard gains. He's he's going to get gains like you know that sixty three yarder and the twenty yard touchdown run. Like that's that's his game. 
is being patient behind blockers and then squirting through a little hole that he creates and then accelerating. That's that's what he does best. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Sam Franklin, the guy from UT Martin, is their bell cow next year. Wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me at all. I'm kind of with you on that too. Uh, but I mean, Gavin's got a, he certainly has a role. I mean, he's the, he was their best. Oh, absolutely. This year. If, Gra- if, if Gavin's healthy, yeah. he's, uh, he's, he's the guy you, oh, yeah. you start with him. Um, I think there's enough out there right now to suggest that I don't know if he's ever going to be as healthy as you want him to be. That's a good point. And you know, again, like we actually saw it happen in this game, he him get hurt and weirdly, and we'll get to it as we go on. He, I thought he, I mean, when you, when you pull a hammy, which looked like what he did or tweak, I mean, you're done for the day, but he came back out there and kept playing, which is kind of weird. So we'll get, but so on this drive, you know, the 63 yard run, uh, Arnold, he, he gets away with one. This is the, the series where he throw kind of, kind of rolls out and throws back across the middle of the field to Gavin Freeman. That was a dangerous throw, but they, they, they call it a catch. Freeman catches it and picks up yardage, uh, tough catch for Gavin Freeman. So I'll, I'll you know, give him credit for that. Kind of a dangerous throw, got away with it. Uh, but then <laughs> Gavin Freeman just, Kind of, you know, as much as he uh, made a nice play there, he immediately gives it back on the next next snap. Gets called for holding <laughs> and backs him up ten yards. Uh, but this is also, I think, one of the better times of the game. I think maybe the the one time in the game where we saw Freeman on, I'm sorry, Arnold on second and eleven. Uh, Jackson ejects from the pocket and then is able to pick up 19 yards, and he got away from a couple of diving tacklers. And he thought, okay, that looks pretty good. I like that. Uh, that's that's an element where DG is a good good with his feet. Certainly, Jackson. If you talked about his straight line speed in the last podcast, that that's where that kind of stuff shows. I think. I thought so too. I thought so. He looked going in a straight line. He looked like he was he was covering ground pretty quickly, which is and I and I think that is ego. Watches high school tape. Go. I mean, go back and watch the spring game where he essentially had a touchdown run that they called back because they thought he got touched. He didn't. Um, where. I mean, when he's got open grass in front of him, he can run, and like that's and like that's great. I think he's he's not as like nimble in the pocket as someone like Fafita is, but he would cook Fafita in a in a foot race, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd like to see that race. See who would win. Uh, and it was on this series. I can't. I think it might have been either the next play or two plays later where he rolls out and Nick Anderson makes maybe the maybe the catch of the year. Great catch. Uh, Great catch. Just, I mean, great, really good throw. Really good throw. Just mostly just because of the degree of difficulty with his body position. Um, but I mean, you can't say that Jackson didn't throw it in a spot where only Nick Anderson could catch it. <laughs> yeah. And just keeping your keeping your feet in somehow, and I think he might have gotten both in. Yeah, that was, that was been, touchdown in the NFL, baby. I mean, that that was such a good catch. And yeah, I mean the throw is the, the throw. I'd like the throw to be a little bit more towards the field so he wouldn't have to be an acrobat gymnast to make it uh, because there was not really any DBs kind of around him. I mean, he kind of had the guy. Oh, he was wide open. Two or it, three was yards. Just, it was just, I mean, Jackson Arnold was on a, on a dead sprint to his left with oh, yeah, two yeah. guys on his heels, and he was able to. The fact that it wasn't out of the back of the end zone is great. <laughs> that he actually had a chance to catch it's a good thing. Yeah, and so I think, uh, you know, that play is a good example, and... It, you know the play, the the throw to Stoops with a with a hand in his face right before his second pick is also another example of in this game of seeing throws that Dylan Gabriel cannot make, and those were two examples of them right there. 
the ball comes out like when Jackson makes his mind up, the ball comes out fast. I mean, the, the, he's got he's got a great arm. He's got a really and quick it's, release. It's, yeah, like does. it's it's like he short does. and efficient. He's got pretty mechanics. It's it seems like an easy thrower, and I like that. And, you know, and that's that'll take him a long way. And so Oklahoma's up fourteen to thirteen with about three minutes to go in the first half, and all was right in the world, right? I mean, they're like, wow, this game started pretty poorly, and OU's figuring it out. It's on the ensuing possession for Arizona where R. Mason Thomas gets the aforementioned sack that you brought up earlier. Just, I mean, total bull rush, little forearm shiver, I think, to the back of the head of Fafita. And this was uh, where I really noticed, and you can comment on this, Grant, is you, know, we, you brought up how you thought Arizona's NFL, future NFL left tackle not playing was going to be a big deal. Oklahoma, I, maybe they were doing it before this play, but starting here, at least for my eyes, they really started putting some pressure on that freshman left tackle and just kind of overriding him and, and putting him in spots where he couldn't block guys, and Oklahoma was able to, to get some pressure off that left side. Yeah, I, and I, I thought that was a big deal. One, one of my takeaways was, I, you know, when I watched Arizona – and like their offense is is really good, and it has been, you know, for a majority of the season. I, I just never was impressed, like with their offensive line or anything, though. Um, and so I, I figured take take away like a surefire NFL guy off that group, and they were probably going to struggle. I like I that offensive line is not good. There's they they played better offensive lines virtually from every other team in the Big Twelve in the second half of the season. Um, and I, I think that's, and that's why you saw so much pressure on him because it was just the degree of difficulty was much lower. It would be nice though. If, you know, again, that was, it was the Oklahoma's two toughest tests of the season, Texas and Arizona where the defensive line probably played its two best games. And they, I mean, Arizona's offensive line is not as good as Texas, obviously, but two games where Oklahoma was underdogs coming in. And I, it just would have been nice if the defensive line, I, why couldn't they have done that more against the lesser competition? It would have made it a little bit easier, but still, like, you got to give them credit. They played well. And uh, Oklahoma uh, forces a three and out. Uh, Woody Washington will get some credit for some good coverage on McMillan down the field. And so Oklahoma gets the ball back here, and you think, okay, Oklahoma gets the ball to start the second half, and they have the ball here. This is a perfect chance to go down and score and get, at least get a field goal. And Man, they bungled I, the hell out of this sequence. This was they did. big time. They this did. was bad. I, I just this was one of the last things I, I rewatched before we hopped on here. This sequence was this was team one twenty eight garbage. This was a terrible sequence. It starts off before the drive even begins, and I guess as I watched it back, this is on Jackson Arnold. Jackson Arnold calls timeout before they even snap the ball. It's like, dude, you had plenty of time to figure out. How do you not know the play? I mean, so that's a waste of a timeout. At, at least it's not on Venables. It's on, it's on his quarterback. All right, he's a freshman, whatever. Like, could probably use that timeout. Like, I don't like wasting timeouts. So that was not a good start. Then on second down and five, they got the ball kind of close to midfield-ish with 23 seconds left. Man, Nick Anderson drops a pass at the Arizona 35. That would have been a first down. Oklahoma could have came up spike the ball uh and that you know likely cost them some points because like i know zach schmidt's not good but who knows i mean they're in a dome the pressure's not really on it's it's a bowl game that who cares like who knows he might might make a 50 yard field goal you never know uh and who knows maybe they're able to get to gain 
five, seven more yards and a little out route, get out of bounds, make it a shorter field goal for him. So Nick Anderson dropped a pass. And then Jackson, I think on third down, you know, Arnold has all this time to throw, can't find anybody, scrambles, and then runs out of bounds with nine seconds left. And Oklahoma, and this is like, a, they're at, I think, the Arizona 48, maybe, 48, 47. They're in plus territory. And, again, the drop pass by Anderson kind of ruined the drive. But my whole thing was, why not throw a Hail Mary here? <laughs> like, who cares if there's a second left on the clock and then Arizona gets to run their own? So what? I mean, you can run enough time off the clock to where you could probably run nine seconds off the clock and throw it up there, and that's the last play. I mean, that was like, again, they punted, didn't matter, and, and, didn't, and the punt took off the rest of the time. Am I crazy to think, why not just throw a Hail Mary there, or am I the only person in the world that thought that? I don't know. I guess that's not, that's not the part of the drive that bugs me. It's like, I don't, what on earth, after, the, after Jackson Arnold calls that timeout to only give them one left, what are they doing running three consecutive run plays? What are they doing? To me, that, I, I took that as they're not expecting us to run, so we're going to run it. Well, of course, and but then like even after the first one where Sachuk only picks up like four or five yards, then that's you cannot you cannot call another run play the rest of the series. Well, to me, it was well, they're definitely not going to expect us to run here on second down. So we're going to do it and see if we can hit a big play. And the thing with Oklahoma's offense this year, as we know, I know Seth Luttrell's new, so it's definitely a little bit different. They've been able to function and grant also Dylan Gabriel has been the quarterback the entire time, not a freshman. But they've been able to function, you know, with with a minute, minute ten, even with only one or you know no timeouts because of how fast they go, and that probably factors in too a little bit. With, I mean, with Joe John Finley, and I mean, granted, they they did get to the point where they were a drop pass away from probably being a, a you know chance to kick a field goal. So weirdly, the the running stuff, I didn't really mind that as much. Also, with the fact that Jackson had turned it over a couple times, I'm sure they were probably like, ah. I don't know. It'd be really bad if we turn it over here and Arizona got some momentum and scored going into halftime. So maybe all of that factored in. But you think they should have put the ball more in Jackson's hands and let him let him sling it Absolutely. around? Absolutely. That's what they did anyway in the game. Like why? Yeah. Like they they did that virtually in every other you know sequence in the game. Why take it out of his hands there? That doesn't make any sense. I like I because I'm sorry. The game plan for this game was clearly to put a lot on his shoulders to see what he had. So why, I mean, yeah. So let's see what he can do in a two minute. Yeah, you're right. Like let's see what he can do in a two minute situation. He yeah. had already he had already recovered just fine from throwing two picks. He kept he, he was still slinging it. Just I, let it all hang out, man. You can't tell me that there wasn't a conversation before that game of Latrell and Joe John and and Vinny going up to him and saying, "Hey, man, this is all this is on you. We're we're putting it all on your plate today. Go out there and let it rip." And so like that that ha- that conversation had to have happened. Just I the way how that much, they called the game. I would hope so. And I wonder how much Arnold clearly not seeing something or being confused before the series even began and, and burning that time out. I wonder how much that factored into the rest of the series of like Latrell or Joe John thinking like, oh, I don't know. Like, even though his literally his last throw was a touchdown pass to Nick Anderson in a great play. I don't know. Maybe they were worried about his mental state on that drive after calling that timeout i don't know it's they definitely did play it pretty conservatively and uh yeah would have been nice to score some points there before the half they could have used them 
so yeah, that's that's what happens. It goes uh, you know fourteen to thirteen at the end of the first half, and Oklahoma gets the ball to start the half, and bang bang, Grant. I mean, they open up with a little little reverse to Gavin Freeman, picks up a first down, and hey, at least it wasn't a jet sweep. I know that's the easy joke to make that probably everyone's made by it's now. The friggin' the last play ones. that UCF ran that play against OU to success like three or four times that game in Norman. How about, and Jack, uh, Jackson, uh, Gavin Freeman, I guess, decided that he wanted to, to be a, a track and field hurdler and uh, tried to get extra yardage. That was interesting. But then the very next play, they uh, they go up top to Brennan Thompson, and it looks like the easiest 63-yard deep touchdown pass ever, right? Just I mean, cooked. <laughs> Absolutely cooked. I, Brennan Thompson's a thing. Is he's a, he's a thing. He is a... He is going to be a, a very big part of the offense next season. He is he is legit elite college football fast. It's uh, I mean, that's almost indefensible because as long as you call a play and they're in the right defense where there's, you know, you're going to make sure that the, and really, I mean, Arizona was, like I said, was playing a lot of single high safety. So if there's only one deep guy and you're essentially manned up, it turned into man-to-man with that safety – and Thompson went ahead and gave him a little, little uh, move to the left, put his foot in the ground, and then went back to the right, to the middle, and it was just, it was over. And it's up to Jackson, obviously, just to throw it out there, and Brennan will run underneath it. And again, that looked like the easiest thing ever. And Oklahoma's up 21-13 in a blink of an eye. And again, I'm sure a lot of you out there watching is thinking, man, I, this game started so poorly, and now Jackson's starting to feel it, and Seth Luttrell might be starting to feel it, and Boy, this is going pretty well. I'm pretty excited about the way this game's going and the way the offseason's going into. And I mean, they might win this game by multiple scores. And uh, it's just crazy how how good things were going. And then as we're slowly getting to whenever everything changed. But yeah, I mean, that was beautiful. It was great. I mean, a great, great way to start the first, or the second half. So um, that's as far as I got in my rewatch. So I'm sitting here trying to remember. I know, didn't Arizona go three and out next possession? They did not. They... They were able to get Arizona to third down and six, and then another weird miscommunication and coverage comes up in the defensive backfield where uh, Arizona has trips to the boundary on third and six, and for some reason Oklahoma only has two players in the vicinity. It's just the easiest pitch and catch to cowing for like seven yards off the ball, makes the catch, picks up the first down, super easy. I just don't know how that kind of miscommunication or that kind of call can come on third down. But that's the only bad part of that series because they were able to get them off the field uh, on downs, the next, you know, the next set of downs. And Oklahoma gets the football back. And this is uh, you know, good kind of you know, nuanced, good Jackson Arnold where he was able to – and we saw this a couple of times. He, he avoided a sack. And then a couple of times in the game, Grant, he kind of just would throw the ball into the dirt to just throw it away to prevent yeah. any further damage, which, was which good. Is, is good. I like seeing that. Yeah, I, I actually really liked that. It seemed like the when it happened in the game, it seems like it's something that he reps. That like it's clearly like an intention, and that's just part of his game, and that's that's good. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of the really really good quarterbacks kind of have that. Like, hey, you know, the play's over with. No need to risk it. We're gonna dirt this right now, and, and so he, I like that that part. You know, that's part of his game. It's a very small thing, but I think it's it it shows intelligence. It shows good QB savvy. And that was on second down and three. So obviously you don't want to risk taking a sack and making a third and long. And that brought up a third and three. And that was the play where he got some pressure and he had Tawi coming out of the backfield and he threw it and Tawi made a nice catch. And Tawi gets it the first down. And by the way, I mean, it was 
it was only it was Sachuk and Tawi all day, wasn't it? And I think before the in the last podcast, Grant, I think your your over under at Javante Barnes snaps was a half. I think the under hit. I don't think he played. I didn't see Javante Barnes once or Caleb Hicks. So just yeah, I mean, I'm glad Tawi got some run. By the way, I guess we haven't even Tawi's going to Wisconsin. In the middle of the podcast, we'll bring that up. I mean. Hey, man, good that, enough for a scholarship at, uh, at the program that's, like, put the most running backs in the NFL, like, the last decade. Good enough for a scholarship there, not at OU, huh? Man, I thought the fact that he was playing in the game, and I just, I, and it seemed like he really wanted to be at OU, but who knows whenever he made the call to, you know, I'm sure, maybe, I'm sure he made that Wisconsin decision a while ago because, you know, he announced it either yesterday or right after the game. Wild man, it's just he's a good player, man. Tommy Wish Walker's him all the best. Player. He's he's good player, real good player. I too. Wish like I I hope he he's really and that's I mean, hard for me. I mean, Wisconsin is is you know absolutely one of my least favorite college football programs, but I mean I'm I'm rooting for Tawi. I want him to succeed there, and I think he will. If given an opportunity, he will be a very good player for them. So the on second down of this series. Man, you might you may remember this from the original watch. Jackson's got an, an open Nick Anderson up the sideline, and he 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 uh, he misses him. He, he did get some pressure though from uh, is it from uh, number five Manu. And as much as we just said good things about Tawi, Tawi does not identify Manu coming in to rush. We, he misses the the pass pro blitz pickup, which would have certainly helped out Jackson Arnold, but Jackson misses Nick Anderson. Up, I mean, it, it'd have been a tough throw. It, it was very similar, I guess, to Fafita's, you know, miss to McMillan earlier in the game where he overthrew him. So that would have been nice to hit, though, because, you know, again, I, my standard for Jackson is so super high. It, it's probably not fair. Uh, but that led to third down and long grant. And, man, this was – if the Brennan Thompson thing was the easiest 63-yard touchdown ever, this third and 10 pickup might have been the easiest – explosive chunk play middle of the field drake stoops wide open and jackson just puts it right on him and uh it's to me it seemed like kind of the same route concept as his first interception the difference here though is that there was no the deep safety was was way deep was way 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 deep and there the middle of the field was wide open and stoops made the catch and gets 32 up the field to get into the red zone yeah it reminded me of the texas game on the final drive um, oh, yeah. Just just wide uh, just wide open over the middle with no one there and tons of room to run. And I know you like seeing Oklahoma quarterbacks Grant throw the ball in the middle of the field, <laughs> making those guys, you know well, recognizing yeah. that it's I mean it's nice to see yeah if there's nobody there throw it there. That's like I mean we've been as OU fans we've just watched OU be picked apart over the middle of the field for I mean going on you know 13 years now so. And so it was from here where Drake Stoops then draws a pass interference in the end zone. And so this is where I, we were talking about this a couple of games ago or whatever. Where, where does the ball go if a P.I. happens in the end zone? So the play started at the 20-yard line. And so this was a 15-yard penalty. So the ball went to the five. And I think I, I read in the rules, I remember reading that if it's at the 18-yard line or in, and the play is in the end zone, or the P.I. is in the end zone, then the ball gets put at the two-yard line. So a small thing, but that's why, if you're wondering, like, why is the ball not at the two-yard line? It was because the ball was at the 20 where the play started, so it's a 15-yard penalty. And it was this sequence here where, you know, in hindsight, 
it's 2020, but not a good sequence here because Oklahoma gets held to a field goal. And at the time, it's like, all right, whatever. They're up, they're up two scores now. They're pretty much dominating this game anyways. Okay, yeah, a touchdown would have been nice. But obviously, in hindsight, <laughs> a touchdown would have been awesome there because they had Arizona kind of on their heels. And yeah, I mean, they had uh, the, the sequence was first and goal from the five. They get Sawchuck off tackle. Sawchuck pitched to the boundary, which I'm never a big fan of that stuff. Like, give him some more room to run. And then a, a Jackson Arnold QB draw power thing that he just kind of tried to lower his shoulder and it, it's almost like he didn't really try to find a hole to run through he just ran up the back of his lineman and had no chance and they kick a field goal and uh, go up 24 to 13 with seven minutes to go in the third quarter but can i it's a sequence grant where in hindsight you're like ah come on like and i i, I understand like, it's just a bad sequence they didn't they didn't really get a lot of push or anything like that i don't how is Tawi walker not your running back in this situation like, this is kind of what I'm talking about with just, like, the personnel stuff. You just, that's, that's not forgivable. You don't, like, there is no, I mean, in goal-to-go situations, no other running back on the roster should be out there but Tawi Walker. This is, like, this is basic stuff. This is not that hard. That's his, his strength, man. I mean, we literally saw it happen earlier in the game. He was able to push forward for two, three extra yards to get a first down, I think, in the first half. And it's the only time he's able to get brought down. I mean, is whenever, you know, later in the game, there's like three or four guys that just surround him. It's like, all right, like he's not going to be able to break all those tackles. <laughs> if it's just one guy, he ain't coming down right away. So I think that's a good point. It'd have been nice to see. But I mean, I'm sure they were going fast. They probably didn't sub, you know, once they went with Gavin to start that series. They don't want to sub to give Arizona a chance to sub and slow things down. So that's probably... Probably what it was. I mean, Gavin had a, was having a great game, but yeah, I mean, in hindsight, Gavin was like, having yeah, a great. Gavin was getting chunk yardage though. He was like Gavin still got stuffed quite a bit in this game. You think that was the moment where Tawi thought, "All right, I'm going to Wisconsin." <laughs> I'm just kidding, obviously. Uh, all right, so 24-13, 11 point lead, and I mean, the defense start. Defense keeps playing well. Uh, it. It was the first play of the next series. We saw OU overload that left side of the line again. Kip Lewis comes in, gets a sack. And it was uh, RSJ and Kip blitzing there. A little bit of a twist. And a bit of a break for OU, though, on third down. They swung it out to the running back Wiley out of the backfield. And he drops it. And nobody was on him. So that had been at least a first down. I'm not sure how, how many yards he would have gotten. But th that was one of those things where things are going well for OU. And... They kind of made had a bust there defensively, and Wiley dropped it. And like, all right, three and out. Here we go. Uh, things are just going well. But the downside is that Oklahoma got the ball back and goes three and out. And it's the first time OU's gone three and out since the first couple series of the game, I believe. I don't think they'd gone three and out since then. And that was during the Boz's interview. If you all saw that, the Boz are getting interviewed. And uh, so, like, keeping track at home, the last six snaps going back to the, you know, getting stalled out in the red zone the last six play calls not successful so maybe kind of like a hint of maybe what's to come grant at the time we didn't know but it's starting to kind of slow up a little bit but the defense keeps playing well and more good kip lewis kip lewis comes in off the edge a tfl on first down and kip, i mean kip lewis 
the line with Danny Stutzman and you know we'll see where Kobe McKenzie and it's the linebacker group is very exciting and I mean we're going to have all offseason to talk about it but Kip had a good game I think Danny played well the linebackers played pretty well in that game Desan McCullough had a couple I think at least he had one TFL kind of coming off the edge so good to see that I know you didn't rewatch this so some of this stuff's probably just coming at you oh by the way so here we go um maybe another sign of kind of the downfall of the game on defense OU takes its first timeout of the half a defensive timeout on third and three and at the time up 11 points you know late third quarter you're like whatever this isn't that big of a deal but still timeouts on defense never a fan of that fortunately though at least this one after the timeout OU gets off the field and they force a punt so it's not like they called timeout and then Arizona gets the first down and goes on to score a touchdown. At least they get off the field. So it's not the worst timeout ever, I guess. I'd still like to have it. Uh, but mainly to get off the field because Fafita makes a bad throw. And so they go three and out. So a couple series in a row where Arizona's offense was helping out OU. They weren't really playing well. And so this is the series, the drive, where everything changes the rest of the game. And we see more good Jackson Arnold on second down. Granny gets a rush right into his face. Gets the ball out quick to Drake Stoops, very similar to the one in the first half. Picks up eight yards, uh, followed up by a Gavin Sachuk burst for 15 yards, and it was on that play where you see that he tweaked his hamstring. And so, like all these little small signs of negativity are now again in hindsight are like, ah, maybe we could have seen this coming. So Sachuk first down, but he tweaks his hammy. He has to leave the game. Walter Rouse gets called for a holding penalty backs him up drake stoops though comes back on second uh, get, gets a nice gain on second down this is the play where he got got hit and his helmet popped off and he's john and you're like oh this is this is kind of you know hard no stuff uh things are starting to look back up again Do you, i mean i know you had some thoughts about that play oh yeah that bugged me that bugged me i i just you're i at that point in time arizona was getting their poop pushed in getting destroyed like it was ou had been basically since the second quarter, had been doing whatever they wanted on offense, guys wide open. It bugs me. You got an idiot meathead Arizona guy who gives, I mean, gives Drake a pretty good shot after he just gained like 15 yards, and he's cle- he clearly got in Drake's face and said something. It pissed Drake off. And you said, he said, look at the scoreboard, you idiot, probably. <laughs> and, and then like, I'm pissed because that idiot meathead, the very next play was the fruit thing, right? No, no, no. So the next play, I think it was third down. It was second or third down, and this was the play. Another good thing happened. They swung it out over to Nick Anderson, and he, he runs through like three tackles up the sideline. And you're like, oh, I love Nick Anderson. This is great. The offense is kind of starting to get the rhythm again. And then uh, I, can't, I can't remember what happened on first down, but on second down, second down and 10, the play clock starts running low, and they got to call timeout. And I think this was a... I think on the sideline, I think Joe John Finley calls timeout. The play clock is coming down. So now there's, there's two timeouts burned. And this one's a little bit more, I guess, acceptable because, okay, you're in the red zone. The play clock, okay, call timeout. Okay, you don't want to get to second down and 15. Those five yards are pretty important. I get that. So the defensive one, though, man, I don't like defensive timeouts. Uh, and this is, the, like, this is the problem. Out of the timeout, <laughs> this is the fruit play. <laughs> out of that timeout. 
Yeah, and so and, I, I just want to yeah. uh, let me talk about the timeout for a second. I, of course, like how what happened after there, you you want those timeouts back. Um, it makes sense to me in that situation, thinking to yourself, okay, let's get into the right play. Let's make sure that we're not because they were going in to to end the game with all intents and purposes. Um, that that the game was going to be over with a touchdown there. Arizona had been physically dominated for the last two quarters. Like they were at the point where they were probably going to be like, we're done. And so it was important to score a touchdown there. And so like, that's like, so in the moment, like that's exactly what I thought live. I was like, Hey, it's okay. Let's take your time here. Let's, let's put more emphasis on being precise because let's double tap these guys. And, um, no, I, I agree. I think, I think you're spot on with that. And then, yeah. And then the Farouk play happens and you know what? Hey, it's, I'm, I'm, Really unhappy it happened. I, I got to tell you, man, that's one of the flukiest plays I've ever seen in football. You just, that's, like I, I told you right before we came on here, that was like a play that happens when you're, you're a fan of a team and you're sitting there watching it on TV and you know you're getting your butt whooped and you know this thing is almost over and you're just sitting there hoping, praying, begging for any sort of just like miracle play to get you back in. That's exactly what that was for them. That was a miracle play for Arizona that just even if, if someone is off, it's not even there by a split second, it does not happen. And like, I just, it's so easy for me not to get so bent out of shape about this game because of such a miraculous play that was like how just that was the one thing that could not happen in that situation. That was the one thing that could get Arizona back into the game. And it happened. And, and you know what? It's, there's nothing you can do about it. Farouk obviously had a really, really rough game. I don't really put that on him. The guy somehow put his helmet on the football perfectly. It was a good throw. It was a first down. I, sometimes you just got to throw your hands up and say, wow, the football gods were not smiling at us during that sequence. And they were very much smiling at Arizona. Period. That's all that was. Yeah, I have no problem with any of that. It was it was a weird, crazy play. You're right. I mean, that's the epitome of man. We need a we need something to happen here because we're we have no chance otherwise. And that's what it was. And you're right. I mean, it's just it sucks that that was Farouk because he'd already had the fumble. And I think it's kind of interesting to me that they even changed it to a fumble because I, I don't I think it probably should technically be a pick. I don't think Farouk did enough to even secure it and and take enough of a step. But I mean, it's it's all academic. It doesn't matter. It's just it's who gets the knock on the stat, either Farouk or Jackson Arnold. Yeah, crazy play. And in a game in which Oklahoma got so much pressure, you know, tipped some balls, kind of, you know, made Fafita un, you know, uncomfortable. You know, there was that one in the, in the first half where it was tipped, it was fluttered up in the air, and somehow there was no OU guy underneath it to make a pick. Like, Danny Stutzman tried to kind of run under it. and But any sort of thing like that for Arizona, there's somebody around there to make the play. And it's just, it's an incredible, it's a 14, actually, technically a 15-point swing because Arizona ends up going for two. And in a play where Fafita is able to extend the play on that two-point conversion where he had some pressure, but he was able to navigate the pocket. One of the only times all night where he was able to extend the play and then find somebody for the two-point play. And of course, it happens whenever they need it. And it cuts the lead to three at 24-21 with two seconds to go in the third quarter. And, I mean, you kind of hit on it a moment ago. I mean, 
you take away that play, at worst, OU's kicking a field goal there, going up by 14. And at best, they're effectively ending the game and scoring a touchdown to make it 31-13 to with basically with one quarter to play. And you're putting Arizona, Arizona gets, putting Arizona yeah. in a situation where they have to throw every single time and they couldn't protect in the game. The game was over if it was 31-13. to And so I think Oklahoma ran one play before the end of the third quarter and it was uh, Jaden Gibson gets a rare target and it was low and he, I don't think he, he dropped it or he didn't catch it. And then it was they came back from commercial and then they show Arizona's turnover sword with all the all the footballs on it, which I guess they they said uh, Cole Kubelak said they made it look like a cactus. Okay, Arizona, the desert. But to me, this is this doesn't matter. But to me, it was kind of weird that they would have a turnover sword because Arizona State's their main rival and, and they're the Sun Devils and they have like a pitchfork in there. It just seemed very similar, like they're borrowing Arizona State's stuff but anyways who cares uh it's during this turnover sword bit with Cole Kubelek that Arnold throws another pick and I thought this was his worst of the night because uh it was an RPO and I think and we talked about this a little bit beforehand if you go back and watch you get a chance to I think the defensive back the or I think the the linebacker I think it's a linebacker whoever it was DB or linebacker I think he kind of baits him oh it, it was a DB Irby who got a lot of he's one of their best players uh, you see, if you see him before Arnold, like you know, because Arnold's kind of reading, he's looking at he has a certain keys on RPOs, right? Like if a, a linebacker or DB moves this way, take this, throw this way, and so Irby, you see him before as Arnold's reading him, Irby starts to move towards the flats, like a way to kind of give Arnold that opening on the slant. Which obviously at that point Arizona knew all night that that's a big part of their RPO throwing slants, and. As he moves and Arnold starts to wind up the throw, Irby immediately then stops, pivots, and cuts back towards it to, to get into that throwing lane. And he undercuts it, and he makes the play, and it's just horrible timing. I mean, I think that's, that's two out of the last three snaps of the game are turnovers for Oklahoma. <laughs> and makes it even worse, you throw in a face mask on the tackle to add on another 11 yards. And even with all of that, Actually, you know, I'll, I'll stop. Like, what did you think about that interception? I, I, like, I thought it was a good defensive play. I, like I said, that's a OU has been RPO'd to death on that exact same play for over a decade now, and I've never seen a linebacker make a or a, a defensive back or a defensive player for OU make a play like that. It's a good play. Period. Yes, yes it was. It was. I man, it's just uh, yeah. You're right. I mean it. Now that I'm talking more through it, you're probably right. It was probably more of a, a good play by the DB than, than it was a bad one by Arnold. But it kind of goes back to you know him, first college start. He's kind of got his things that are working for him, and he hasn't had as much experience. And so to it me, like, like those players, like took advantage of that. To me, it's just like I, I, I just I don't like the RPOs. I don't like RPOs. Like so, to me, it's on it's on your offensive philosophy that play. Yeah, and you know. I didn't watch close enough to to be able to tell you, man, you know, Jackson, he should have pulled it more here or he should have. I didn't watch it that closely, but it makes you wonder you know, with RPO games or the RPO offense, like how many times maybe should have Jackson just handed it off. And it's really easy to say that afterwards because Gavin Sochik averaged damn near 10 yards a carry in the game and played played really well. So even after all of that, Grant, Oklahoma's defense stiffens up. 
holds him to a field goal, even though the, ball, the, the drive started at the 11. Uh, Kendall Dolby coming off the edge, picks up a sack on third down. And it's just a field goal. That's what you got to do. Hold to a field goal makes it 24-24. And you're, you're still giving the offense a chance. And Gavin Sawchuk's back in the game getting carries. But if you go back and watch it, he doesn't look like he's fully healthy. Uh, he, he gets a chunk yards play, but it makes me think, man, I'd like a running back that didn't have a tweaked hamstring in uh, to run that. So uh, he, he, I think that might have been his last carry or one of his last carries. Uh, and the drive kind of gets going, but then Austin Stogner commits a, commits a really lazy, dumb holding penalty on first and 10, and that backs up the offense and basically stalled the drive and led to a punt. And so for the first time in a while, Arizona's got the ball in a tie game. Is that where they punted? And, uh, that, like on, didn't they punt? Like, is that, was that the fourth and four punt at like near midfield? I, th- I think so. It has to. Yeah. yeah. They should not have punted the ball there. That was, that's a, like I, um, and you know, this is not like a, this is more of just my perspective. Like this is arguable, of course. Um, and I mean, they pinned him. They pinned him at the five. So, and this is like, you know, I, this is essentially, you know, this is an Arizona offense that has only driven the length of the field without a turnover and scored a touchdown once in the entire game at this, at this stage. So like, I I get the logic, like you can, punting here is defensible, but going for it here and getting it, I think gives you a better chance to win the game than punting it away. Yeah, I kind of thought that a little bit too when I was rewatching. I like, yeah, it'd be kind of nice. I mean, knowing what what you know what happened and they lost. Like, man, going for it here would have been. I mean, because you know Arizona, Arizona fans are probably like, please don't go for it. Please don't go for yep. it here. Yep. And I, I just think even if you do go for it and don't get it, you are giving them. You know, you're giving them the ball in plus territory. Uh, but there's still plenty of time left. And so just kind of the way that it worked with get them down and they have the 95 yard drive and not only do they score a touchdown on an explosive with Jacob Cowing, they they. They take a lot of time off the clock too. They sh- they shorten the game. Yeah, and this is you know as as good as the defense had been playing. It's that's kind of the consistent thing, right? Like it seemed like Oklahoma State, great. I mean, the defense it was on them. They were, they got off the field a lot. Uh, Kansas more than Oklahoma State. I mean, Kansas they didn't have a chance to get off the field against Kansas, get a stop. Even though Ethan Downs picked it off earlier, and basically that should have been the end of the game. And then in this game. Granted, the game was tied, but man, they gave up a 95-yard drive. There's a couple of times on the series where it's second and you know second and 17 deep in their own territory, and uh, they get a first. You know, they make it uh, 15 f- yards to McMillan. 15 yards on second down. Yeah, I mean that's just ah, uh, because yeah, I mean they. I don't know, man. That's so disappointing. It was to McMillan, and that was. I think this was on Kip Lewis because. Kip does not sink into his zone on the play. Instead, he comes up on the play uh, where Kanai Walker is and has responsibility because they were playing cover two. And Kip sliding over and, and trying to you know compensate for that opens up the window for McMillan you know, up the seam, and it makes it an easier third down. So that was a big, a big play. And Venables even referenced that after the game. He said, second down and 17. You got to make it harder on the offense. Uh, and then you know the next play on third and third and two, OU brings the house, and McMillan is just right off the line, wide open for an easy pitch and catch, sixteen yards, first down. 
Uh, and this is the play. If you watch the replay, slow motion, the ball goes right through Stutzman's hands. That's another <laughs> like, thing that's just like, I. what can you do? That's also like, Stutzman was there to make a play. And what a shot on TV of showing that. Like, I mean, it was literally right through his hands. I mean, it was, it was less, it was like a centimeter away from hitting his thumb. Yeah. I, and then it was the, you know, and then they get the third down again. And the third and seven was when they give up the explosive touchdown to cowing. And there's like a lot of stuff going there, but like, it's, it's hard for me not to, it's just perfect play call for Arizona. Unreal throw by Fafita, like on the run, hitting cowing perfectly in stride unreal throw from Fafita yeah and this is why having a elite five-star probably first round draft pick receiver is there's lots of benefits to it but I mean Billy Bowman and, and Peyton Bowen they both I mean Peyton Bowen got deep on this one but the problem was both of them went for McMillan deep down the field which I don't know what else they could have done I think that's probably what they and, but they ran a little over route because they knew the safeties would be gone they run, yeah, they run the over out and they also get he gets them outside of the pocket. And that's the it's the perfect play call to do that. Because honestly, OU's call on that was good too. They were gonna get pressure on him. Like it it's but they just they they called the perfect play. I think they got a little bit of chip block that allowed Fafita to get outside. And then even even when he does get outside, he still has to make that great throw, and he did. And I mean, that's that's where you're just like, you know what? On a play like that, you tip your cap to one of the best offenses in college football. And they had their chances before. I mean, I, it's again, you, you nitpick at this stage, but, uh, you know, Kanai Walker had a free run early in the series against Fafita and, you know, broke down a little bit. I mean, that's, that's tough. I mean, you're coming full speed. Fafita made a move on him, got away. Uh, but it'd been nice if that would have been a sack. Just small, the second down and 17, they gave up 15 yards. It's just, Things like that, like, you know, the pass through Stutzman's arms. It's just all the things kind of started going wrong for Oklahoma. And they trail 31-24, about five and a half to go in the game. Oklahoma gets the ball back, and they're starting to move the ball a little bit here. They get the ball near midfield, uh, and they get across midfield. They complete it to Stoops across the 40-yard line. And then this is uh, Jacob Sexton getting called for holding. Knocks him back. So, you know, first and long. And on second, here on second and third down, Arizona rushes three, drops eight. And I started getting flashbacks, Grant, of watching Caleb Williams struggle with that in 2021, where it's just tons of time to throw, but he can't find anybody and doesn't know what to do with it. And, you know, this, this was kind of the, you know, after the, the Farouk interception, fumble, whatever you want to call it, like that, the sequence the rest of the game was obviously not very good. A couple of penalties. Nothing there. Got the third down and 20 because of the holding penalty. It's third and 20. And then the worst play of the game, I think, by far, is you know, they, <laughs> the offensive line can't block three. Like A little bit of a twist with three rushers just gets right in the face of Arnold. He fumbles. It's recovered by Arizona, and that'll do it. And yeah, that play, game, was, that play was 100% on Troy Everett, the center. 100% on him. So... Um, yeah, bad. I mean, that was a after after the pick slash fumble six. That's when that's when the offensive line started to actually get bad for OU. Up until then, it was totally acceptable, even actually good. Up to that point, 
Um, and then from there, and then yeah, from there, all of the criticisms are warranted. They were bad. They held a lot, a lot of pressure. Um, they were gassed, and you know they didn't have a whole lot of depth or anything. So, um, but yeah, that was uh, that was it. That was all she wrote, and I kind of checked out of the game after that play. Yeah, yeah, and that was it. I mean, thirty-eight twenty-four. That ends up being the final score, and. I did too. I kind of I stopped my rewatch at that point. It's like the rest of the game doesn't really matter at this point, and so it, whatever. I just kind of did some number crunching before the the late third quarter defensive touchdown that made it twenty four twenty one. OU's offense had accumulated four hundred and two yards, uh, averaging almost eight yards per play. Seven point eight. I'm sorry, no, uh, they four hundred and sixty three yards of offense before that. Uh, Seven point eight yards per play. And then in the stretch of that turnover until the last turnover, the fumble, Oklahoma ran 13 plays, gained 57 yards. I think that was about 4.3 yards per play. And, uh, you know, there was three turnovers in the span of 13 snaps before there was three turnovers in the span of 59 snaps. Still, it's, it's bad either way. But just uh, that, that little portion of the game, not surprisingly, it changed so fast, and that was the difference in it. And... Uh, Oh, you lose by a couple couple touchdowns, and Arizona fans are happy. And you know, it's a game Oklahoma again should have won. And it's you know, why not have another game like that? Grant Oklahoma loses three games this year. Three games they all should have won. They had their chances, uh, their win expectancy, and all three of them maybe the lowest in this one. But then again, who knows? I mean, late third quarter it might have been pretty high. Uh, I know no, you like I'm, the yeah, analytical I'm, stuff. And, yeah, yeah, I'm curious to see that. Typically, when um Typically, when you lose the turnover battle um, by five and you only lose by two touchdowns, that's that that means. And, and like, I, I think everybody agrees, like on the whole play in and play out when you're just talking about successful plays. O- OU was the better team. They 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 established themselves more on a play by play basis. Um, Arizona clearly just made the biggest plays in the game. That was the difference. So last year, the. And we have, again, all offseason to talk about it, but this just kind of came to my mind. I mean, we were complaining about how OU only won six games, yet you know they, lost, they went six and seven, but what, what was it? Five or six of their losses? Five. Five of their losses because the TCU game and Texas game were blowouts. But in their five losses, I think, all by one possession. And it was, man, this, this team could have easily played here or there, could have won eight games, could have won nine games. Uh, you know, ten's a bit of a stretch, but the team should have won at least eight or nine games last year based on the way things were, the talent level. And this year they come around and they they win some more close games. They win ten games total in the regular season. And the three games they lose were very similar to last year. All three games were very winnable. So if you want to look at the glass half full, that, okay, maybe another offseason going to year three, maybe they can kind of correct that. But the issue is, though, they're going to be playing in the SEC the margin of error will be a lot, lot smaller. Schedule's a lot tougher, obviously. So, you know, how much are we going to be able to measure the growth? I don't know in that, but uh, th- there is some growth. It's just you, you wanted to see more, but you go 10 and 3, and uh, after a year, they go 6 and 7, and it's a su- successful season. Uh, and and he, but it's a year they could have they done even better, just like last year. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's. Um made improvements i think there's plenty to be excited about quarterback wide receiver really really veteran laden defense coming back for the first year of the sec although they uh are just 
really bad pass defense. Really bad. They, they just they got to get better at that. Um, other than that, I mean, I think I you know everyone is is worried about the offensive line. Like I we've already talked about this. Um, the rhetoric even after this game is over the top. The offensive line was good for the most part against Arizona. Um, I they didn't start to look really bad until the fourth quarter. So, um, they, I mean, I, OU's offensive line, patchwork offensive line in this game, played way better than Arizona's. Way better. Um, the play in the fourth quarter was unacceptable. I will grant you that. So, um, I just, uh, I am choosing not to get too high or too low about this game. It's a bull game. There is just plenty of historical precedent and evidence to suggest that this game has no bearing whatsoever on the attitude or the quality of the team next season. None. Zero. Doesn't matter. The only people who will remember this game are Oklahoma and Arizona fans, and Arizona fans will remember it more and more fondly. So, um, I, um, I just, I, I'm hung up on just, I, the, the fumble pick six was just one of the flukiest, craziest plays I've ever seen, given the circumstances. Yeah, I could have gone so many different ways, but, you know, that, did not go Oklahoma's way. I'll read some of your three-word reviews. We'll start on the West of Evers Facebook page. Phillip says, disappointed but excited. Mike says, well, that sucked. Hunter says, third offseason begins. Tim says, beat themselves again. And also, Oklahoma, now Nebraska. So, Tim taking a glass-half-empty approach. <laughs> Hope they're not Nebraska. Shelly says, turnovers and penalties. Shane says five-star struggles, turnovers killed chances, offensive line, oof. Jared says wrong guy driving, taking a shot at Venables. Next year, yikes. Three and three to finish. And then even Lincoln won. Well, he won 10 games. Uh, I'm sorry. Lincoln Riley was playing Louisville, who is the biggest joke in college football over the last month. Oh, the, the, the bowl game, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, I can I, I got to get in my... Louisville, just chokers. You guys are a joke. Completely, complete joke. <laughs> you ha like, having, like, the best season in school history, and then you lose three straight games. Lose at home to Kentucky. You lose at home to Kentucky when you could have an 11-1 season. And then you lose to... Frankly, I, I like, I, I get it. Like, we were, we were stumping for Florida State here. You lost to a... A Florida State team that is average without Jordan Travis in a game where like everything was set up for you to win, and then you lose. You lose to USC, and I was watching that game. Man, they had maybe two or three starters on their offense in that game actually playing. Everyone else was just the second team offense, and they got shredded. Louisville's a joke. They are a joke. <laughs> That's that is a team that I will fade into perpetuity for the rest of my life, as long as Brahm is there. That is a joke. Yeah, I, I like Brom. I, I thought he was having a great year. It just they they really shrunk at the end of the season, and yeah, losing to USC when I don't know how much they really care, and having Miller Moss throw six touchdowns. I mean, we got that wrong. We, we were on Louisville, and you know, USC went ahead and said, "Nope, we got this." Maybe they got some some excitement going into the offseason there in Southern California. But some, uh, I'll, I'll read some from Twitter X, some three word reviews. Jed Castles at News 9 says, Blessing in disguise. 
says we need intel on Jackson Arnold, just as opponents do. Lots to learn from. Arizona's a good team, and so growth comes this spring. John says not SEC ready. Papa Bill says one, two, run. He says that should have been what the plan was for Arnold's first game. I mean, would you have wanted to just watch, watch a bunch of running plays, Papa Bill, and not really see if Jackson can throw it around? Nah, I love I, it. I don't know I, if you want to. I love the fact that he threw it 45 times and he's got 45 cut-ups to watch, to study. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bowl game. I mean, if they lose, it didn't matter that much. You, you want to see what you got against a good team. I, I Yeah. They still should have won. Steve and says. If it, if it wasn't for, like, miraculous things happening to Arizona, it's a game they win, probably by double digits. Steve says, catch it, Jaleel. Yeah, rough. And Man, another thing that I, I think it was on the, the series. I can't remember what series it was. If it was the sack fumble series or maybe the series before where they had to punt. There was a play where, and you'll remember this, Jaleel caught a pass kind of over the middle and kind of ran backwards because he was trying to get extra yards. And he was running to some daylight, and Stoops was kind of, kind of trying to turn a block for him. But then Jaleel, he gets he gets tripped up like by a guy kind of th- running through and my, my it's like oh, you can't get tripped up that easily man like uh like i'm not sure how many more yards he would have gotten he might have gotten maybe an extra five or seven so it's just like stuff like that where it's, it was a rough night for jaleel and even in a play like that he could have kind of redeemed himself a little bit and he still gets tripped up you know some of those games are just you have bad games you know it's you kind of feel bad for the guy a little bit uh, Brett says, and another turnover. <laughs> Josh says, got to protect ball. Matt says, holdings and turnovers. Caleb says, on to basketball. <laughs> and goes with, can't believe it. Harry says, defense, lights out. Miguel says, flat out, embarrassing. And I'll finish up with JB. JB says, Brent cannot finish. I think there's definitely something there, and it's going to be even more difficult next year, obviously, with a tougher schedule. But learning how to win. Obviously, Oklahoma won 10 games this year. But when all three games they lost were all winnable, there's got to be some sort of element to a group of guys learning how to finish games and learning how to win. Yeah, I think there's... um Man, there's been stretches this season where they've been they've been dominant and they have just they have just put teams away and have which is something good to see. Like so that happened this season, you know, obviously against, you know, the Arkansas States and the Tulsas of the world, but I'm even talking about like that they did that against Iowa State. They did that against West Virginia. They did that against TCU. If you remember, I mean, they were up 42 to 13 in the first half of that game. Yeah. Defense faltered a bit let them kind of get back into a little bit, but yeah, I mean, but there were, there were stretches this season where they flashed their ultimate ceiling of what they can be. And, um, it's, it's going to be about just consistency and putting it all together, which I, it's, it's boring. I mean, that's not, it's not that interesting. It's just like, it's the, it's just the small stuff that they have to get better. And I, I'm hoping in the off season, they do that. I think a big part of that is going to be, uh, making tempo less of a thing. Uh, cause that's going to emphasize much more, uh, just being precise and getting into the right play, which I think will help them in in red zone situations where they needed to score a touchdown the other night and they weren't able to. It'll definitely help help there. And um, man, they got something there, man. And, and I'm just 
they're going into the SEC. Their receivers are badass. They absolutely have one of the best cores of pass catchers in the SEC next season. Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree. Um, <clears throat> not a great way to end it, but it's not a lot of promise. I think we can talk about, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about more takeaways. I, I guess I can give my, my overall thoughts on, on Arnold. I mean, I, my, you know, to kind of close this out here, I, there's a lot to like, obviously. I'm disappointed in some of the rookie mistakes he made. Uh, but I think I just have unrealistic expectations sometimes with certain guys. And I, I just assume maybe some guys will just kind of know everything, and, and that's not fair. And I think all three interceptions weren't great, but all the defenders also deserve credit for all three of them. Uh, they all made plays on it. Uh, I thought his pocket poise was very good. Uh, it's almost like he's too relaxed sometimes, though. Like I, he, he had a lot of faith in his offensive line, which, again, I think an interesting narrative of this game is I think before the, the fumble interception six, or whatever you want to call it, the offensive line was fine. I thought it, I thought it did, did its job for the most part. <clears throat> and then there was that stretch where there were some holdings and it wasn't great. Uh, so I think Arnold did have some faith in his offensive line giving him some time, getting the ball out. And I think more often than not, he was back there and he had a little bit of time to throw. Uh, I love his athleticism. It's great. He's going to escape from some sacks. Again, there were maybe two or three against Arizona where he kind of made a move and got away. I'd like to see the quarterback run game, see where it goes, and, and kind of pick at spots more next year. Like, I don't know how Seth Luttrell is going to utilize that. I went back. I was curious about North Texas and Mason Fine and how they utilized him. And you know, he wasn't a runner. So it wasn't part of the repertoire. His best season running the ball was only 118 yards his freshman season. So kind of curious to see how Seth Luttrell utilizes Arnold's legs because you, you got to use it in some ways. He's too talented not to. But as we saw, I mean, he threw the ball a bunch around the yard, and he's a guy that can throw it. 26 of 45, 361, a couple of touchdowns, aver- you know, eight yards per attempt or eight yards per catch. Ke- you know, so there's a lot there that you, that you like about Jackson Arnold and you know, we get the new offense installed, and he's got his whole offseason knowing he's a starter. Certainly a lot to, to be happy about. It's just now you're, you're not going into the Big 12. You're going into the SEC, and the challenge is much, much greater. Yeah, I, I saw enough there. I saw enough there that I can talk myself into this is, you know, in the offseason, they're, they're going to create an offense that better utilizes probably what he does well and what he's more comfortable with. And uh, I, I think he's going to be good. He's got a, a total offseason of being the number one guy, being able to throw to those receivers, Nick Anderson, Deion Burks, uh, you know, Brennan Thompson now, Jaden Gibson. It's, they're they're going to have some dudes. Jacquez Pedaway. Hey, did you know, I want to go back to this, on, on the Brennan Thompson touchdown. Jacquez Pedaway was on the field on that one. Did you yeah. see, I guess I didn't, was there, what personnel group, I'm assuming Stogner was on the field too. So I, I would love to know who the other receiver was. I didn't make a note of it. I can probably go back and find it real quick. But yeah, I didn't notice he was on the field. I didn't. I didn't notice him very much. But yeah, he was. He was split out wide near the sideline on Thompson's side. So, but I, don't know. I, don't know, I just they they just got their their wide receiver room right now is in really really good shape and I, and I think um, you saw it last or you saw it on Thursday night from Arizona how how important it is to have really good receivers because that's that was their entire offense was their two really good receivers. So, and OU's got a lot of them. I just, I think, I think Nick Anderson is special. I think he's a really good player, and I think he's going to get better over the course of the season. 
I think Brennan Thompson has already done enough this season to prove that he is a legit take the top off the defense threat guy. Um, one more, you know, another year of offseason is going to do him really well. I, I just all Jaden Gibson does is make plays. Um, and I think he's going to be a bigger deal on the team next season. I mean, Farouk, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Farouk moves on uh, somewhere else. But, you know, I, I'm not I'm you know, I'm, I'm not driving the nail into his coffin quite yet. I, you know, it really was just two fumbles that made his night pretty bad. Um, I still don't want to forget how good he is, like blocking on the edge for stuff like that. And he's he's a weapon in that regard as well. And uh, I just don't want to throw away a guy. He was like we saw his ceiling against Texas this year. When he plays well, uh, just how dangerous he can be and how useful he can be. So I, he's just, I, I know a lot of people are upset about the game. I do not want to drive him off. I, that's, that is not wise at all. And so um, there, there's a lot to be excited about, and, and, and I get it. I, I get that the offensive line is not where people want it to be. It, it's just the, the rhetoric of the offensive line being bad is, has got to stop. It's just, that's just not true. Stop saying untrue things. <laughs> yeah I, I mean obviously you would have preferred other players there Caden Green the main one I think they're they'll figure it out and if they do struggle next year again like and it doesn't look good then I think okay comment on it then but the evidence we've seen so far over years with Bill Bedenboe it's just the offensive line has not been a problem and so until it is a problem then I think it's fair to give him the benefit of the doubt and the team that benefited it out. I agree. I, I one of my big takeaways after this game is is going into 2024, first year in the SEC. I am much more concerned about the state of the pass defense than I am about the offensive line. Ooh, so am I. All right. Well, hopefully you all enjoyed that in depth rewatch breakdown podcast of the game. Had fun. That was good. That was good. Nice, nice and cathartic to kind of go through that and talk about it. Not sure when our next episode will be, our next show will be. We'll, we'll talk about it and figure it out. Uh, we appreciate your support as always. And uh, Oklahoma finishes the year 10-3, and three, now in off-seasons ahead. Man, that spring game, uh, the older, older we get, the, the spring game gets there faster and faster. Uh, if, if you're super young, you listen to this podcast, you might think that's crazy, but that's kind of the experience I've had. And before we, we know gotta, it, we'll be into the SEC. The nice thing this year is that um – you know, for, for other college football sickos and other people who like video games and whatnot, we just got to make it to the first week of July, baby, for the, foot, for the video game to come out. And then the season's here. Oh, yeah. That's something to look forward to for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, once we, and just once, like, the summer is going to come before you know it after spring practice. And once June is here, July is, is shortly after. And, man, we'll be hopefully playing some NCAA football on the, uh, on the old <laughs> Xbox Series X at 4th of July weekend. All right, everyone, we'll have a happy new year, and we will talk to you in 2024. For Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.